everyone this is a call to actions I am your host Bobby Vaughn no longer calling myself Bobby Vaughn jr. Um, I've learned to accept that uh, it's okay to be uh, named after your dad anyways um, I'm here today with the one and only Aaron Franz and to those of you who don't know who he is he's a pioneer in research and investigating into the ethics involving science and technology. He's authored the book Revolve, Man's Scientific Rise to Godhood, and also has created and manages the Age of Transitions podcast and Uncle the Broadcast. So anyways, Aaron, it's uh, really good to have you back. This is the third time we've had conversations together, and I'm looking forward to many more. How are you doing? Very well, Bobby. Thanks for having me back here. Oh, yeah. Well, the times we live in, need I say any more? In the the name of COVID-19, we're starting to see just the social structure collapse and change completely. And a a new rollout of advanced technology is really starting to um, show its face. We will talk about that and the different technologies that have been unleashed to the public. But just to start out, how did you and why did you get into uh, investigating the ethics in advanced technologies? Uh, uh, How and why? I just, um, it's something that just kind of happened, I guess. I was, uh, I was already, um, I was a member of a 9-11 truth group in uh, Columbus, Ohio. And so I was very much into that, uh, everything involved in that, and uh, looking up alternative information, I guess you'd say, and all sorts of uh, stuff that, a lot of people don't like to look at, but uh, I was very much into that whole thing and just looking up all sorts of different topics at the time. And I just kind of stumbled upon transhumanism. I uh, remember finding their the Wikipedia article on the concept of transhumanism and reading about it. It was blowing my mind. I was like, oh my gosh. And then I just immediately when I read it, I was... I kind of connected the concept in with the greater concepts of, you know, there's a lot of stuff wrong with the world, basically. That's that's the long and short of it. It's like, there's a lot of stuff wrong. There's a lot of um, problems. It's accurate to say that there is such a thing as oligarchy. And, um, and so I just kind of, I, I did that. And then from there, I just started reading a lot of stuff over the years. You know, the transhumanist websites, like the former World Transhumanist Association, that's what they were calling themselves at the time. I would read a bunch of stuff off their website. I would find um, the different members of that group and other groups and, like, read white papers that they published to get an idea of what they were all about. And then I read all sorts of other 
stuff like government white papers and papers from universities about related topics um, all sorts of all sorts of different topics and then reading books I'm just you know just reading all that stuff and getting into that and, and and other topics which seem unrelated but I like to I like to notice how everything in the world is related to everything else somehow and I just like to uh, try to go for the big picture and, and understand those relationships and kind of uh, see how something like transhumanism is more than meets the eye so to speak right absolutely <laughs> so uh, yeah I know I guess that's I guess that's the answer there <laughs> and the technologies that go into um, the development of what's considered transhumanism are you know in the name of health medicine or you know or war yeah, yeah. these technologies national are security. security yeah in the name of national security that's a good one yeah um you know let's uh, let's start researching these technologies and developing them and let's uh you know first test the the technology on our soldiers or on uh, have some clinical trials performed on on the american population one or the other and then if it's deemed that it could be a quote benefit to society the technologies then released into the public mm -hmm. and, and you know we're starting to see that right now with uh, the company Boston Dynamics actually releasing their their spot four-legged robot into the public for public sales at a at a yeah. at a low discounted price of only seventy five thousand dollars, something like that. Um, That's probably just the base price too. You can get all the add-ons for it to do specific functions. Yeah, yeah. I think right now they they have they have according to their to their own shop, their own website, Boston Dynamics. They have uh, uh, six different add-ons. Mm -hmm. um, the most expensive one that's provided here on their site that they're not selling under the rug is uh, an inspection application. A uh, yeah. Spot Cam Plus adds a pan tilt zoom camera to the Spot Cam to enable detailed inspections. And even LiDAR. Uh, LiDAR yes. is just such a, a, in my opinion, a bad and extremely unhealthy technology. <laughs> um, uh, you know, you, you have these spot robots now. Okay, <clears throat> they, they've been released to the public. From what I've seen, and I'd like to get your opinion on on this. This robot spot is the most advanced artificial intelligence that has been released to the public. That that that's actually. Um, movable in a robotic form, you know, as opposed to a computer. You, you know, put a computer on legs and send it out on the streets, and, and you have the spot robot. But it took a long time uh, to mm -hmm. develop the spot technology, and it's it's really interesting to see the timing that they that they released the spot four-legged uh, robot to the public. Have you seen anything like that before? I I haven't. Um. 
I guess you could. I mean, it has to be one of the most advanced autonomous machines that has been released uh, in this way and is now commercially available. Um, so to this point, yeah, it may well be the most advanced one. And uh, yeah, it's it's uh, it's got an interesting history spot and just the company Boston Dynamics. And I think it has... I think Boston Dynamics has cultivated quite a bit of um, brand um, brand identity and, and, and they've, the marketing for this thing over the years has been very good. So I, I think that people recognize this thing just due to seeing it so much in videos online and its predecessors in videos online. So I think as a company, from a marketing standpoint, I think Boston Dynamics has actually like excelled and that's that's why we we just immediately know of it and when it's released and all these viral videos of the thing go a long way in um in in helping them i I, i'm not sure what their uh, profits are on this thing and how much money they're making on it but uh but initially i mean this this is born straight out of their their um their older uh, projects, which were directly funded by DARPA, and th the company itself was a spinoff of MIT to begin with, and that kind of like uh, went back and forth. The ownership between a Japanese company and Google, like first this Japanese bank, I think, owned it, then they sold it to Google's Alpha Alphabet, rather, which is the same thing as Google, really, and then Alphabet sold it back to. Um, the Japanese company uh, a couple of years back so it's just this uh, it's fascinating to me because it's one of those perfect examples of public and private intersection and it just exemplifies how these technologies are born and how how they emerge onto into the commercial sphere they, they make their way out into the commercial sphere from initial development through through the government and and of course the US government is the military primarily so it was the military defense budget that built this thing and um, so yeah I, I mean yeah, this this gets on to a bigger topic of conversation which gets me going too is you know you'll get people talking about how um, socialism like oh that evil socialism like well this this country is socialist if you think about it like you got these big government funds going into these projects and then it, yeah in the end somebody ends up boston dynamics ends up profiting on it but they do it on the backs of uh you know the u.s taxpayer the u.s government and so i've, I've heard it uh, i've heard our system described and i think this is perfect that american capitalism is socialism in the service of capital if you follow that i saw i saw jay um or who was it jp satilli posted that once i was like oh that's the perfect summation of our system yes so i don't know there's something there <laughs> i'd say you know and the the walk up uh no pun intended the walk up to releasing this uh, what's known as the spot uh, into the public uh, it took took a little while, you know, beginning with the um, the 
and who knows what came before this, the the big dog. And yeah, you know, yeah. you and I we're we're about at the age to where you know, we had we were tapping in enough at the time to actually, you know, we were we probably shouldn't have seen it. <laughs> it was kind of reserved more for uh, companies who were interested in buying the product or investing in it. But we were at the age to where we actually seen the first videos of the spot, um, sorry, the big dog uh, being used and uh, for military purposes in, in, um, in attempting to carry heavy payloads um, yes. to a soldier on the battlefield. And the videos at the time... Uh, they really creeped me out, for a lack of better words, to to see the big dog actually learning how to balance itself when being kicked by um, a researcher. And um, yeah, you remember those? You remember those uh, those days? That was uh, how long ago was that? That was about um, well, maybe over ten years. That's a, yeah, it must have been like ten to 15 years ago those particular videos yeah yeah even uh, those are... go on no 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 that's 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 it keep going even a company a corporation that was involved in that i, it, I, I was in high school at the time um i was taking a a class called jobs for illinois graduates in uh, in high school i didn't get to choose it but uh, one of our projects was to link two companies together showing that they're working together in kind of like a joint venture a joint venture um or linking one company to another and you know the diversity of their of their products and foster miller the company that makes fruit gushers was actually one of the corporations i was involved in funding the research and development of the big dog and I uh, did a, a a little project on that, <laughs> linking fruit gushers to the advancement of the big dog. Um, so that corporation was involved. Um, but what most people don't realize is that, and I'm glad you brought that up, is that Google Alphabet has deep roots in the research and development of military technologies. It's not all just you know yellows and reds and oranges and blues. Um, you know they have some some pretty uh, interwoven um, uh, roots and tentacles. So um, you know going you know flash forwarding to the present. Now it's been unleashed unleashed to the public. Uh, there are different applications for it, including lidar, uh, which is a uh, a more kind of a more like broken down like smaller uh, compact version of radar and in the name of COVID-19 we're seeing overseas in, in Europe where the spot a four-legged robot is actually being used to ensure people are socially distanced um, what level of control that is you know people are taking direct orders from a robot on the streets, like this thing's become some type of um, mechanical policing system. It's weird to me. Yeah, yeah, and LIDAR, if I remember, is like, it's like radar, but it, it works on lasers somehow. 
somehow uh, utilizes lasers, and it was it was a technology used in all of the um, like those early again DARPA defense projects of um, autonomous vehicles. So they'd have all those vehicles that were um, attempting to be uh, operated autonomously, and they'd have those. Uh, they had those weird-looking things that looked like headlights on the front of them, like these big cars, essentially cars, and like some of them looked like heavy machinery or like military tanks and stuff. And they'd have those headlights, and kind of like the headlights on a Corvette that flip up and down. There, there'd be like a set of four of them, and they'd be flipping up and down, and that was the lidar kind of moving around so that it could. Uh, so, so that it could sense its surroundings. I, I just kind of know about that. I, do, do you know any more about that technology in particular, Bobby? Lidar, no, you are right about about it being laser based, like a laser based type of, of radar. Uh, I know the the frequencies that that it uses are deemed unhealthy to um, to an individual mm. that's uh, exposed to it uh, for a long period of time. I know um, ra- uh, military radar operators. Um, there's a, a trend among military radar operators um, becoming sick because of being around the electromagnetic frequencies for so long. But then uh, I'm a little concerned about people and I- any potential operators of the LiDAR system. Um, long-term exposure uh, of LiDAR. It's it's kind of weird to think about. Uh, I mean, I mean, you know, the vision system of these machines are cameras and then what type of sense would the lidar give the machine it's kind of like a yeah. like yeah. a laser based uh, like sonar almost but sonar is different i mean that's a there are mechanical ways of installing sonar so yeah. i mean it's just a different type of sense uh, given given to these um mechanical operations <laughs> yeah Let's see um so you wrote the you wrote the book just moving on a little bit of course we can talk about that more um you wrote the book revolve man's scientific rise to godhood um i, I like the cover of the book and uh you know the um the serpentine spiral staircase is is really mm-hmm. symbolic and it's it's great how you pick up on like a symbolism and it's a cult connection with the high technologists and the transhumanists. That's an, an area that is r- rarely talked about, the connection between occultists and uh, transhumanism. Um, is, is there any area or subtopic there that you would like to talk about and... Um, where did you find that connection? Such an interesting dynamic. Um, I'm trying to remember exactly where and when I um, first noticed that. But, I mean, over the years, it just kind of pops up here time and time again. And you just look at the idea of transhumanism and you understand it connects to... Um, a lot of occult concepts of like for instance just simple things like the concept of becoming uh, which is sort of man attaining apotheosis like attaining 
greater and greater levels of um i guess being or whatever till eventually you become one with uh god um you know however you view that you know so the concept of becoming and just the idea of becoming a creator as well so the idea of um developing things like ai to the point that where it becomes artificial general intelligence and then of course the transhumanist talking about the creation of super intelligence where the ai system actually becomes more aware and more intelligent than us at a rapid rate and it becomes like an a machine god or whatever so then they use these terms they say yeah we're gonna build gods so they talk like this uh <laughs> they'll say sometimes they'll be like oh yeah there is no god but we're gonna make god they they like to do that they like to incite people so that's a fun thing for them to do they're constantly doing that so i mean the the it's kind of obvious as soon as they start talking about that but at the same time it's also a topic that kind of lends itself to being able to disguise that fact because it's supposed supposedly in the realm of science but it's also like just so out there like it's such an offshoot sort of um cultish branch of you know this sort of just greater worship of science generally speaking in society today which is just sort of like a mainstream sort of thing uh but this is definitely like a, a niche fringe group within that sort of larger uh trend i'd say but yeah i mean there's all sorts of connections and and, and you look at particular people who are prominent transhumanists and clearly they have an interest in occult things and uh, there's there's just a number of people that that again you just look at the things they do and the things they say it's like oh okay i i see that i have eyes to see i have ears to hear so i understand what you're getting at i don't know how many other people first of all care what you say <laughs> second of all among that small little group of people who are actually watching or listening to you i bet it's i know it's an even smaller group that are picking up on the um esoteric subtext of what you're uh, presenting here and there is a lot of it and so yeah yeah the cover of my book revolve it doesn't even have i mean if i was smart i'd probably put like some scary terminator looking robot and instead of calling my book revolve i call it um like transhumanist technology coming to kill us all i would have called the book that or something i, I would have put a terminator robot on it and it probably would have sold better it probably would have um gotten more attention but i, I put uh you know jacob bohm illustrations and william blake uh painting uh on the front uh the, my own little sort of uh remix of those old art alchemical artworks and uh called it revolve means guys got it and it's you know unless you really are aware of uh you know the stuff that i do already you're not going to even have any idea that it's about artificial intelligence and nanotech and and uh life extension all these transhumanist technologies so i mean i'm 
I, I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of proud of the fact that I, I went that direction too. So, uh, writing a writing a book is, uh, I mean, you know, with that on top of everything else, you know, especially having a family and and everything, that's uh, it's a massive undertaking. And actually, you know, completing a book is, is something. Um, um, that's that's just really a triumph. Um, yeah, going back to the the spot robot Boston Dynamics, they were bought out by the Japanese company yep. uh, SoftBank. And I'm looking there at you go. looking at their the robots. Uh, one being um, Pepper, which is um, <laughs> has a little, little smirk on its face. You know, some move, moving eyes. It's a white thing that kind of looks like the Jetsons robot except it's it's just you know pure white with what looks like an iPad on its chest it's like hey like I'm here to serve you um, you know with the touch screen on my chest sh- what should I do you know point to what I should be doing you know I'll help you uh, <laughs> I'll navigate you through playing a, a game of family twister um, <laughs> and okay. those type of things yeah um, even uh, yeah, here recently, in places like I don't even remember the last time I've I've been to Walmart, or um, but um, there are autonomous, I guess uh, cleaning cleaning robots or something. Uh, My friend yeah. Stephen Stephen was telling me about uh, some autonomous robot that's like checking inventory, which is, which is a little little strange. It's kind of clunky. It looks pretty much like a big like a like a big block, blocky buffering machine kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. I, I see videos of these posts on people's social media all the time. I know the one you're talking about. It's like a wide base, and then it's like a very, like a pole almost that comes up from the center of it and just kind of goes around the store. Is it that thing? Yeah, it has a uh, yeah. It has like a little looks like a little like police light on the top of it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. A lot of times they'll like put a little like happy face, like with googly eyes on the top, to make it more inviting and whatnot. I've seen that often. Yeah, I mean, to, to the upcoming generations, they may be inviting, but I, I mean, our generation, we, um, we we're kind of in a weird spot. I mean, you know, the generation, a couple generations below us, sorry, one generation below us, is I think I think they're more, uh, like more up for this technology and then you know the generation uh, before us just has no idea most of the times has no idea what this technology is and we're stuck somewhere there in the middle to really in in a good position to give you know an ethical standpoint you know if we're willing to uh, take a a good look at it Mm -hmm. yeah I thought about that too the generational thing kind of where we're in a really odd sort of spot where we came before a lot of all this but we kind of came after a lot of I don't know the things that were it's, it's just a weird sort of position or like sort of uh, the last ones in certain respects to to live in a world without like just such ubiquitous computing I suppose and ubiquitous media and I mean it was already starting the thing was it was very much starting when we were young and we got to see the kind of lead up to a lot of different things. Like just the birth of video games, for instance, is a fascinating topic. But uh, yeah, it's a weird point in time. But I've, I've thought about that a bit myself. 
funny that you mentioned that. Well, yeah. Um, we kind of think alike on a lot of things, which is one reason I like to have you on, on the podcast. Um, uh, Kimberly was asking me, she's like, is, is, uh, is Aaron as deep into this as you are? I'm like, he's probably deeper into this than I am, to be honest. I mean, he's, he has a few more years. He's a few years ahead of me. Um, and, uh, you know, when, when I want to talk about advanced technologies and all, and all that, I mean, you're the go-to guy, in my opinion. Uh, I haven't seen anyone else really give a good uh, good display or a good um, representation of um, a, a, a phil- philosophical standpoint. And, um, mm. you know, going into philosophy, I mean, <laughs> it's weird to bring robotics and artificial intelligence into philosophy because most people think of philosophers is talking about uh, they think of you know like 200 years ago type of philosophers but here we are 200 years um, from the 200 years from the past <laughs> and uh, we're talking about the integration of um, synthetic life and mm-hmm. um, man created intelligence and yeah, I mean, really, the only appropriate way to deal with those topics is via philosophy. I mean, you can't really even do it any other way. If you're going to have some sort of conversation about those ideas, you have to bring philosophy to the table. So, you know, in a sense, it's good that philosophers are, you know, on this. But then again, you, <laughs> when you're talking about, like, um, philosophers that are themselves like uh, identifying as transhumanists and things like that. Like, well, you know, okay, it's good that we're recognizing that philosophy is necessary here. But, you know, of course this guy's going to be like, well, I'm, I'm going to tell you that we live in a simulation. I'm going to convince you of it. And, uh, you know, of course there's bias there. But, I mean, uh, it's just, you know, just, just buyer beware, essentially. You know, exactly. yeah, yeah. I hear a lot about, um, well, not here, but just the information comes across my table. Um, scientists believe there's a 50% chance that we live in a simulation. Yes, I saw that. I saw that recently. And that's just a rehash of something they've been saying for years and years. They've been saying that for at least 20 years. Uh, Nick Bostrom, who used to, uh, he was the president. Now, I think the t- he was the leader of the World Transhumanist Association, which was mm-hmm. president, for a number of years. And he put out uh, a research paper saying exactly this. I think it was titled The Simulation Hypothesis, where he says this. He's like, oh, yeah, it's, it's very likely that we're just living in a computer simulation, which I understand where they're coming from. But I, I think this as well, you can clearly um, uh, see the corollaries the relations to occult and religious concepts certainly from like the vedic tradition things like this of the concept of maya the, the world's an illusion and things like that so, and, and definitely all sorts of occult esoteric concepts and things from occult groups so it's just another way of saying the same thing Again, and, and now that we have computers, we're like, oh, yeah, a computer is a thing that runs a simulation. So that means that this simulation that 
ex that is existence that we all are part of is generated by a computer you know instead of a god or what have you you know it's just again it's just different vernacular it's just um it's just a changing of terms is all it is so i don't know it's just funny to see that pop out i, I was amused to see that article and and the, the fact that I was pretending like it was like some new development it's like man they keep saying this over and over again speaking of of simulations i mean we have the tra transhumanists that have invested their their time money resources and and mind to investing in um, these type of technologies and i think once they get to a certain point they're completely convinced that there is no turning back from advancing this technology. I mean, it would take a serious breakdown um, of these individuals, a uh, a complete head change to uh, to just completely, you know, to, to to keep them from going down the path that they were going down. And you know, if, if it wasn't for these guys, we wouldn't have. Um, teenagers implanting RFID chips or um, you know uh, the potential for an apps a physical app store on the corner you know just go down to the app store and get your new upgrade or your new implant um, and simu when simulations get involved trying to convince the public that we live in a simulation is absolutely uh, ungodly and goes against everything that I believe I I absolutely do not believe that we live in some simulation, but it helps their agenda by convincing the public that it's all artificial and electronic. And from that point, the population may start to invest more and give up and start investing more in these uh, transhuman and posthuman technologies. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> yeah, that sounds about right. <laughs> yeah, it's such a weird one. Yeah, you brought up um, Nick Bostrom. I'm glad you did. Uh, he's one of the uh, the head honchos, and they do they do change the name of their groups quite quite often. And uh, yeah. I think probably yeah. the best the best way to keep a group as secret as possible is to not even have a name for the group. <laughs> but <laughs> I, I I think uh, that their ego is so high though that they want to keep a, a name <laughs> you know they they want to be part of some some cult and they just keep um keep changing i remember uh humanity plus which was a uh, yes. a lowercase h uh yes. cur cursive looking with a plus symbol um was was their symbol last time do you know if they've changed it since then <sighs> well i'm on the website of H plus magazine right now so there it's it is a magazine it turned into a magazine this is spun off of the original human uh, or WTA World Transhumanist Association it became H it, it was humanity plus and then from humanity plus they shortened it to H plus because they make this little logo so it's all again these are all just marketing and branding techniques is what they're using here and overall, I mean, you could say they're marketing their publication here. I have no idea how well H Plus Magazine does these days. I don't know much about it. Um, but I do know that uh, in the greater sense that 
the, what they're marketing is the concept of transhumanism and, and, and their ideas of uh, that we have to develop emerging technologies and that um, this is a necessary thing. And you're talking about some point that we cross where there's no turning back. I mean, well, that <laughs> we're there for sure. We're, we're well past that. And there's no changing the minds of the people that are the, these folks that are identify as transhumanists. And again, it's hard to keep track of who they are and, and what their name is. But um, it is pretty fascinating to see all the different directions that the many different individuals go in that have uh, named themselves as part of the movement. And the sort of the infighting and things like that is interesting to see as well. And um, just who's doing what in the business sense, like the business side of things like cryonics is fascinating to see the Moores, Max Moore and Natasha Vita Moore, and how the, their company Alcor was related, how, how they related the company and, and the relationship of the company to these groups like World Transhumanist Association. And so there's all sorts of intricacies there. But again, overall, the most important thing is the ideas which transcend all these people, all their little um, personal interests, because there's plenty of them to be found. Uh, guys like Ray Kurzweil being huge uh, spokespeople, but also, you know, creating careers for themselves, becoming, uh, getting super cushy job at Google as the technology whatever he is there I don't, I don't remember what his um basically he, he his his title is the guy that gets to talk about uh transhumanism on behalf of google yeah so nice work if you could get it you know <laughs> and with, with with dudes like peter diamandis you know yes <laughs> look yes. at that he has Another. a I just want to pinch. I just want to pit, pinch Peter Diamandis' cheeks and just just smack him. <laughs> wake up, wake up, you lunatic! Gosh. Well, yeah, you know, there's. I mean, you can't. They can't do it. They are invested in it uh, in more ways than one. Like personally, financially, it's their career. You know, so there's no going back for for those guys. And, but I mean, how could, why would there be, so, I mean, they just are who they are. So I think it's fun just to like call them out on the silliness that they, that they constantly put out there. And, you know, the hypocrisies, the, the, um, the, all, all of that stuff. Uh, <laughs> so it's not hard to do. And I, I always find it fascinating how Kurtzwell actually got to be the spokesman that he is because he's just totally lacking charisma i feel like that's something that this movement really hasn't had yet uh, and they there have been like these guys who've come in who have had charisma but it's been so over the top and like sort of tony robbins-esque that's just been like too cartoony like i feel like they're waiting for the moment where they get their big star and they've tried to do it for a while and even natasha vita moore tried to like sort of like put herself out there in, in the public sphere it's like look i'm an interesting person it's like well no nobody really wants to see you we're sorry they, they that's they true want, 
Yeah. You know, I mean, they want somebody like that. They want like, I don't know. They wish like Jim Carrey would start talking about their ideas and be like their guy or something. You know, I, I, I can't help but think that they're hoping to do that, but just they've continually failed up to this point. Now, at some point, I, you know what? Now that I'm thinking about it, Joe Rogan has been good for them. But they have a weird tenuous relationship with him too because of his sort of right wing leanings. A lot of them uh, like don't like him and are speaking out on him because of that. But in terms of like promoting the transhumanist ideals, I would say the most successful in this sort of commercial media sense has been Joe Rogan because he's very much a cheerleader for all of this stuff. He has been for years and years and years. Hmm. Not many people have noticed that or understand what that even is, but I, I would put him as like the number one guy in being successful in a media, pop culture, uh, popular sense. You know what I mean? I would say that he is the guy. Um, but going into the future, I think th- there will be more of this, and, and, and we'll get... They've tried it with Sophia the Robot, too. Like, oh, let's make Sophia a star. But it's kind of weird. and It's it's a story, sure, and, and it gets press. But it's not like, you know, Sophia the Robot is not Mickey Mouse or Mario or something like that. <laughs> so, um, I don't know. It's just, it's just I, I, I love viewing this from the lens of marketing and public relations you know what i mean because it's it's uh that's huge yeah the concept of uh neural marketing neuro marketing and harvesting data off of you know individuals profiles or you know search preferences from their computer or elsewhere and you know targeting a certain ethnicity or a certain group of of people to be swayed into believing something I think you know that's definitely down the realms of convincing people that that transhumanism is is all right, and it's it's the uh, it's the the way of the future. Um, I personally do not believe that transhumanism is evolution, though the ones that are pushing the agenda believe that it's the next step in humanity. I think true evolution comes from what we already have built into us um, organically. How do we upgrade our organic senses um, through um, spiritual tuning? I don't think you know taking the products of our own hands and implanting them uh, into our our nervous system or attempting to create new senses with with uh, you know silicon and and titanium and uh, software is going to upgrade us. Um, well, you, you know, I'm sorry to break in here, but um, just uh, this is one of the points where the esoteric sort of occult thing pops in again, too, because you get these guys working on all these projects and like the Kevin Warwick over in uh, England yeah. trying mm-hmm. to um, develop uh, things like synthetic telepathy. So get these and, and get these um 
these uh, new technologies made where we're um, able to communicate like mind to mind via whatever this tech ends up being, you know, and they talk about this. And when they do, they're actually hearkening back to this uh, mysterious place uh, in um, in prehistory, which is, again, also um, alluded to in all sorts of you read like religious texts or just uh, occult writings. This always alluded to is like this sort of lost um, states of man, one of them being this sort of. Um, primordial and superior form of communication that got lost kind of like as a tower of Babel was built, you know, you know, one, one interpretation of that is that language as we know it and use it in the modern sense sort of came to supplant this previous form of communication, which I think is uh, meant to be telepathy. Yes. I, I, I think the concept there is that there was this natural telepathy between humans, and that was like the communication, like an unspoken communication form. But then as if, if you view uh, prehistory and, and just the development of man in the esoteric sense as going from like a higher level in the past and then as time goes on degrading de the de-evolution sort of way of viewing that yes and then the, the way, way the way you do, do that, that is 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 that the 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 original form of communication was lost this new language was put in place and we're and and now with these transhumanists talking about oh yeah we're going to develop a technology which is synthetic telepathy it's the return to that paradisical sort of um, th that ideal which was lost in our, our our mysterious past, right? Yeah, but it, it can't be more of the opposite. Um, it seems it, rather than looking inside of inside of ourselves and coming more in tune with what we've lost. It's the opposite. It's it's building something that is manufactured and has a barcode on it, and putting that product into the mind in an attempt to replace it. I mean, that, that's a good excuse by them to yeah. uh, to attempt yeah. to replace it when actually they're just you know they're using animals first I, of all, and then humans. I, and, I, I, I. I agree. It's a simulacra of something that I think is quite likely real in reality like I, I don't know and here i go getting off into kind of a crazy topic i don't know what your thoughts are on it. nothing's nothing's too crazy here man <laughs> okay cool cool well i'm not sure what your um ideas on telepathy are but my personal one is that it's a real phenomenon um I believe that I've observed it in my own life not I'm not saying that I have these uh long drawn out telepathic conversations with people but it's just little things here and there that I've experienced it's like oh okay there does seem to be some something there that um I I'm convinced that it's a real phenomenon and then you know if you're gonna say if you're gonna go further and say um go into the past and say like oh it must have been uh, this way and I, I don't know for sure but I just uh, I just do believe it's there 
and then it's just fascinating to see all these different sort of takes and and these these um these veiled allusions to these really powerful concepts and again just kind of making it seem boring and mundane and taking the mis taking all of like the wonder and magic out of the human experience and then just diluting it down to oh we need to do a science experiment one day so we can put chips on our heads so that we can talk through the chips yeah, take, you know, it just becomes that, that you know what i mean taking uh, an organic feature which was once sacred and just completely raping it and and manufacturing it yeah degrading it and, who, and who's in control um you know uh, with these with these uh, these implants of course some are um, what are, what are the words? Um, there's the master-slave system in, in electronics. You know, there's um, there's uh, you know give and take. You know, you can um, mm. you can take orders, and then also give orders to the machine. And mm -hmm. um, you think going into the future, what is that? What is that called? I can't think of it off the top of my head right now. The uh, are you talking about in like computer science? Is that is that what you're? talking about yes yeah there's the uh you know receiving orders to the implant yes. or the or the implant gives gives orders to the uh to the nerves yeah i i, I can't think of the the industry jargon on that but i i i know what you're referring to but i can't pull up the jargon myself on that unfortunately but it's definitely there I, I must have misplaced that memory somewhere. I'll dust those cobwebs off one of these days. <laughs> um, I'd say just um, just to let to let the listeners know, digging into this topic, once you really start to dig into uh, to artificial intelligence, I mean, first of all, artificial intelligence is a lead up to transhumanism, posthumanism. And the creation of uh, these art of, of these uh, mechanical synthetic life forms. Once you start to get into it, once you start researching and and you you build up a um, your own uh, your own morals, it's you're you're pretty much in it for life. And you know you may have to take a break from it because it becomes so heavy that it becomes mentally shocking at sometimes you know some points. Um, I, I'm sure you went through that when writing when writing Revolve, man's scientific rise to godhood. Uh, I I know that you know I wrote an article entitled uh, "Humans and Androids: Cold Metal, Cold War," and just doing the reading and research into writing that article, I, I felt like I was having post traumatic stress just going through yes. that. Yeah, but uh, yeah. I mean, it ebbs and it flows, to say the least. You gotta step away for a while and then kind of come back to it. You have um, to, you have to. If you stay in it um, for a long period of time, it'll just—it's—it's uh, it's a heavy load. It's a heavy load, and I think that's why so many people just don't get involved. They—they—they they, yeah. they won't take a stance. You know, they won't take a stand. Um, you know, let alone speak their own opinion on it it's easy to just go along with it because it's one of those fringe kind of underground things 
you know, most people in society just go along with technology and the trends. Then those who have been in 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 trendy the trendy uh, social groups for a long time, you know, they'll they'll go along with the more underground technologies. And you know, these are the transhumanists. Uh, I mean, uh, th- there is a difference between transhumanism and futurism. Um, futurism, it's it's one of those other other words that some people. Uh, that our transhumanists will just claim that they're futurists. Okay. Yeah. Futurism to me is interesting because it doesn't always involve transhumanism. It's uh, just yeah. a, as a way of looking into the future and like what can you know what can we do to save the future. It's just it's a really highly divided uh, group of, of people. <laughs> you know, some people, you know, like like ourselves being here to 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 you know save the future um, from these potentially invasive technologies because take a step back and you see where these technologies are going most people don't have that ability to just take a step back and look at this look at the social conditioning where it's already led people the research and development that's occurring now and if this research and development is continuing to become socially acceptable where is it going to go and how is it going to affect people and it's really important to look at it like that and I really appreciate your your take on it and your uh, your stance and uh, you're in you almost have uh, 300 uh, podcast episodes on age of transitions right now congratulations on that thank you very much yeah yeah it's uh yep it's (laughs) been a long-term project and that's talk about ebb and flow it definitely has over the years like there were periods where i was just producing one a month where i'd even be gone for a couple months but uh, I'm, I'm at the point now where thanks to my producer chuck ocelli you know i'm doing the weekly show so there's always always bringing a new show every week which is really good and again i have chuck to thank for that and um but yeah, it's one of those things where it's just been a constant sort of project. But you have to approach it that way. It's like, you know, you got to do it at your pace. You don't want to burn yourself out. I mean, this stuff is intense. So you don't, you got to, you got to jump in there and dive in there at times and just get fully in. But then you also have to get out and just live your life. So it's, it's a... It's an odd choice of something to do, but I'm an odd sort of person, so I guess I'm the, the right person to do whatever this is. I haven't even entirely figured out what it is that, uh, I, I mean, I have my ideas about this, but may end up being something entirely different in the end. So, so far, so good. I feel good about it. And thank you, Bobby, for um, the kind words with everything. Yep. Yeah, I'll continue to listen listen to Age of Transitions. It's uh, it's one of my favorite podcasts. Uh, there's there's another one out there. Um, it's not uh, technology and occult based. You know, it's not really an investigative podcast. Uh, but um, Age, Age of Transitions pretty much is my go to. To be honest. Um, cool. Yeah. So like you know, knowing that I'm going to have a new episode every week uh, is awesome. And um, and how do people tune into your live show, and when when is that broadcasted? Yes, yes, the live show is Friday nights uh, on ocelli.com, 
Again, that's my producer's website, ocelli.com. There's a chat room, which is really cool. You can join the chat room. You can call into the show. And it airs uh, 10 p.m. Eastern time here on the West Coast for me. I start at uh, 7 p.m. So, you know, uh, just depending on your time zone, tune in at the right time. Go to ocelli.com. There's a little listen live tab. If you press that, you get access to the chat room. Join the chat room because there's a lot of cool people that regularly show up. So that's always encouraging to see people show up time and again. Uh, call into the show, you know, if you have a question or you want to just join the conversation. It's always open phones Friday nights. And um, then the, the live show, I just take the file and put it on the podcast feed, then the live show is a podcast. So you pick up the podcast at Chuck's site and also my site, theageoftransitions.com. It's on tons of podcatchers and apps, so easy to find, easy to subscribe. So I hope people will. And uh, yeah, thanks again for having me on here, Bobby. You're welcome, Aaron. And I, I um, challenge my listeners to... And invest in independent investigative radio. Um, I mean, you know, we're doing this on a shoestring. We're doing this as a public service. You know, we don't do this to make money. It'd be nice. It'd be nice to make money doing it. But, um, yeah. you know, like seriously, invest in independent media. And there's no more independent media than the Age of Transitions podcast. And, um, Aaron, it's, it's always a pleasure. We'll be in touch. Um, thank yeah. you. Thank you for your service to humanity and the planet. Likewise, Bobby. Take care. All right. High five from Northern Ohio.